Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fin Factor. I'm Paul. Unfortunately, Aaron is out sick with the case of the I'm So Sleepies, so uh, he will not be able to join us for tonight. He is a new parent, of course. He's got the third child, and it's uh, certainly catching up. He's got like four hours of sleep, so I certainly do not blame him uh, for not being able to make it tonight. But um, it is episode number 108. Thank you guys for joining us. For anybody who's in the chat right now, if you can go and take a look at uh, the the Twitter account that we have and retweet us or if you can just share us on facebook or whatever other platforms you have uh, to get our names out there uh, help get some more people in here so we can have a nice conversation i think it'd be awesome uh, we were supposed to go at 10 o'clock we're not going at 9 40 for uh, for tonight's game at least just wanted to get this thing moving and grooving and get going on this so i appreciate that uh so what we'll do right now is we'll just go ahead and start talking about the games uh, from this past week here. So I've got some notes here. So there was the game against St. Louis. It was the 3-2 overtime win. Uh, Dubnik gets a second start in a row. That shows a lot of confidence in Dubnik uh, after the 4 nothing loss to Vegas. So the Sharks need confidence in someone in net, right? And it seems like they've really picked uh, Devin Dubnik as the guy that they're they're looking at right now as the one who's kind of like the hot hand. Obviously, Martin Jones got the start tonight. We'll get to that. But Dubnik having his second start in a row in this game uh, again, shows a lot of confidence in his play from the coaching staff, Bob Bugner uh, specifically. So, um, and, and we'll see that it goes beyond these two games as well. Uh, Vlasic actually got on the board in this game. It's something about the Sharks defense that's, uh, that's really getting it done. We had Shimmick, I think, earlier in the season here, and actually just a, a couple of days ago uh, prior to this game. Uh, Shimmick put one up on the board. So uh, really cool to see guys that aren't named Brent Burns uh, putting goals in the net from the, the blue line there. Eric Carlson also had a goal previously uh, before these games. And uh, we'll see that he gets another one later on here, but uh, nice to see Vlasic kind of jumping in. Uh, he jumped up in the play, used the defenseman as a screen, kind of a, a forward, a very forward thing to do uh, by using the defenseman as a screen. And yeah, he just rips it past and picks up a goal and starts off the scoring for the San Jose Sharks in that game. Um, you know, Couture and Kane, as Kevin Kurz had put it, are really driving the bus here. So um, I, I think, to be fair to, to the rest of the lines, though, that line with Couture Kane and Kevin LeBanc has been one that hasn't had a lot of fluctuation in its line mates, right? You've seen Hurdle be uh, out of the lineup. Timo Meyer was out of the lineup. Even when Timo was in and Hurdle was in, Timo was kind of bumping down to the third line, back up to the second line. He was kind of all over the place. So there was a lot of flux in every other line than the first line, right? So... Having Kane and Couture driving the bus, maybe that has a lot to do with their skill level, of course, but I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that they've been able to play together pretty much the entire time. I don't even think Kevin LeBanc has moved up and down that much. So, yeah, as Curtis had put it, they are driving the bus right now. So, uh, And it shows because Kane uh, came up with the game winner in overtime on, on this game as well. But I do want to give credit to Eric Carlson. He had a great pass. Uh, he was uh, out there skating really hard. He out-accelerated Ryan O'Reilly up the ice in overtime, made a nice pass over to Kane, and Kane just buries it. And it was just a great play, um, a nice transition, again, by Eric Carlson there, uh, doing a really good job of getting the puck over to, to EK9, uh, who I asked in a post-game interview actually saying, hey, were you thinking shot all the way? Because I think most most shooters do that. Well, were you thinking shot all the way, or did the thought cross your mind to try to hit Eric Carlson back? Because – I saw when he got the puck, he took a few strides. Goalie was set. And I was thinking, well, maybe if he kicks it back. But he said, no, absolutely not. Uh, I was ahead of Carly there. And, uh, you know, I was thinking shot the whole way. 
So um, if, if Carlson was alongside him, I think maybe it might have been a little bit different, but he was a, a strat or two behind. So we just figured, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and, and fire it in. Um, real quick, I'm going to go over to a couple comments here. Uh, Isaiah saying, ha ha, poor Aaron. <laughs> I don't know about poor Aaron, man. He brought this on himself. Let's get real. Uh, Keith, hi, Paul. Well, hi, Keith. Uh, nice, nice to see you there, buddy. Um, Brian, I'm not going to put that comment up, Brian. I'm going to do that later on. Okay. But, um, yes, uh, Isaiah also saying, uh, super happy with how the team's playing. Dubnik and Jones seem to play well. Carlson looking fantastic. First line has great chemistry. Uh, yeah, Gabriel, Curtis Gabriel is added, adding grit. Yes, absolutely. I agree with everything there. Uh, you are bang on there, Isaiah. Well done. If uh, we have Aaron out of the show for too long, we might have you uh, jump on here and, and help me out a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, I have a clip here from Mario Ferraro. I think this was actually pregame uh, from the St. Louis game. And I, I recalled Bob Bugner saying, you know, this is just a matter of time before you see this guy with a letter on his jersey. And I kind of wanted to ask him about that, about being a potential future leader for the team. So, um, Super Producer Jason, go ahead and we'll roll this clip. Hey, Mario. Uh, Bob believes that it's just a matter of time that you'll have a letter on your jersey. And uh, as a projected leader, uh, an active voice on this team, have you taken on a mentor role for the other young players in regards to work and preparation? Uh, I think that um, I just come to rank and be myself every day. First of all, I appreciate the kind comments. Um, uh, but, yeah, I just I ch- try to come to the rank and just be myself. And there's a lot of things that uh, my teammates bring to the rank that that I like to learn off of and, and build off of what they do. Um, so it's not just about um, what I'm doing, but it's I'm also learning from the guys around me too, all the young guys on our team and how they come to the rank and prepare and be ready for – for every game. Uh, we got a lot of young guys at different playing different positions. So there's areas where I can learn at what they do and how to prepare and, and be ready to go out there. And then Mario, um, you know, it doesn't really seem who's in, in matter who's in net between Devin Dubnik, Martin Jones, even last season, Aaron Dell, it seems like the goaltending on this team has had their struggles. How much of that do the players take on themselves? Um, I don't think, I think it's, it's, we have to play better in front of them. I think that we have to do a better job of, of giving them opportunities out there. It's hard to, you know, finish off a solid game when, you know, you're receiving some two on ones and here and there. And uh, I'm a part of that uh, being more responsible and, and defending uh, our net moving and, and playing 200 foot and making sure that, you know, I protect the front of our net. So, um, our goaltenders are great goaltenders um, over the last couple of years, and, and they give, they play their heart out every single night. Uh, they put a lot of effort in to be better in practice, to be better in, 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 in games, and they're always giving it 110. And, you know, it's our job to to play as best we can in front of them. Um, and I think it's a little unfair. It's just the position that they play. I think it's unfair sometimes that there's a lot of pressure on them. Um, but, you know, uh, I think that, you know, we can do a better job of supporting them and, and being better for them. So, Uh, myself included, and and that's what we look to do moving forward here. Yeah, so I thought that was just a really humble answer for him to say, you know, I I just go out there and I just do what I do. And, um, you know, I'm actually learning from others as well. So it's not just me trying to be a good role model for the rest of the team. um, But I learn things from them, even the new guys. So I just thought that was a really humble way of approaching that question. And it, it kind of shows, again, this leadership quality where he's not kind of all about himself and saying, oh, yeah, you know, totally. I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm a good leader on this team and blah, whatever. He, you know, he's he's got a more humble way of approaching. And I, I really did appreciate that. 
Um, one other thing that I appreciated was that he had said, hey, I appreciate the kind words. It's not the first time I've had a Shark player uh, say that. I think Ryan Donato was the first one. Um, it's just, I don't know, something's kind of nice that they appreciate when you say nice things. And it, I don't know, it's, it's just one of those things I, I kind of picked up on. Um, I like the other thing he said here is saying it's not really fair to the goaltenders. Um, this is right up my alley. Anybody who watches this show knows that I have a lot of sympathy for goaltenders. And I didn't even play goalie. I played D. Uh, but that's why I have a lot of sympathy for goaltenders is that I know that the position uh, doesn't get a fair shake sometimes. And then he said the same thing. You know, it's just the position that they play. And he doesn't think it's fair all the times the amount of criticism that they get because the people in front of them need to be doing their job just as well. So um, as somebody who played defense uh, beforehand, you know, it's I always looked to myself and said, what could I have done better to prevent that goal from going in? If there was nothing I could have done and the goalie just missed it. okay, fine. But if there was something I could have done to maybe shove someone off to the boards or clean up, uh, you know, junk in front of the net, getting the puck out of there then that's something that I felt that it was my fault, not the goaltender. If I had done my job, the goaltender wouldn't have uh, needed to do his in that instance. So uh, I, I like what he said there. He's he's saying all the things, again, that a future leader uh, would be saying. So um, really good to see from Mario Ferraro uh, on that one there. So the other interesting thing that happened, or one of the interesting things that happened during this game is LeBanc was actually benched for the entirety of the third period. He took two penalties in the second. Coach Bob Boone was not very happy with that. Um, you know, he even said, you know, I showed him a few clips uh, on the iPad on the bench. Now, that's this is the NHL that we live in, okay? You have iPads on the bench that don't just show stuff, you know, from later on. It's like real-time stuff. You know, hey, this is what you just did in this last shift. Here's what we can do to try to correct it, whatever else. It's just, I just find it really interesting that, you know, technology is what it is, of course, but that they have it on the bench, uh, ready to go for these players at a moment's notice for the previous shift even that they just took. So it was really cool um, that they were able to, to do that. But, uh, you know, again, he was not very happy with uh, the way that Kevin was playing. He didn't think he was engaged enough. Um, he said that, uh, you know, he didn't think Kevin could help the team uh, at that point. So that's why he benched him. He just basically sat him down. There was nothing malicious. He wasn't, you know, very overly critical of him with the media or anything else. He was just, you know what, I this is just how I feel. He wasn't able to help us out, so I sat him. It's it's nothing personal, It's and he'll bounce back, right? So another person who actually said that uh, LeBanc would bounce back, Logan Couture, and I have another clip here of Logan talking about LeBanc's benching as I was able to ask him about that. So Super Producer Jason, go ahead, roll that one. Hey, Logan, uh, with uh, Kevin LeBanc being benched in the third, does the message sending end with Bob Bugner or as captain, are you tasked with engaging Kevin as well? Um, I think Kevin knows. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have a, a talk, but uh, he's, he's smart enough. I mean, just a, one of those nights where, where nothing really went his way and, um, you know, it happens. It's it's going to happen again um, for someone um, throughout a season. And, uh you know, Banker was, was positive on the bench cheering guys on and, um, you know, he'll, he'll be better next game. And, and we know that. So after that uh, interview with Logan Couture, Kevin LeBanc actually came and faced the music with the media folks. Uh, I don't have a clip of him because I didn't feel it was necessary. But, um, you know, he did say that he just needs to keep it simple. That was the message to him was that he just needs to keep it simple. Um, obviously, Bob was not very happy with the way he wasn't very engaged in the game. 
So that's another takeaway there. But I think, again, you just, you got to play the game a little bit more simply. And we've heard this before from Bob Bugner saying that to Eric Carlson, a guy who is not a simple player, right? He's a guy that will take the puck and do fantastic things with it if you allow him to. And Bob kind of wanted even Eric Carlson to do the same thing, you know, simplify your game. So we see this message not just once, twice, but, you know, it's it's kind of permeating through some of these guys in the lineup now. So LeBanc, uh, of course, getting that message and it's one of those things that he said, it's just, it's, it's in the past now. Okay. Um, I, that game, the tonight's game from, from when this happened is now in the past, I have to move on from it and get ready for the next game. And so that's exactly what he does in uh, the very next game here. In fact, it seems like everybody kind of moved on um, this, this is Anaheim win where it was a six, nothing win. I'm sure everyone remembers this one here. So um, we'll just go ahead and talk about it. I'll, I'll do it briefly because there's almost too much to talk about. I just want to go blasting through it. Um, Hurdle. Hurdle comes back from COVID. His first game back from COVID, he scores a goal. Um, Timo, his first game back from injury, he scores a goal. LeBanc has a three-point night, and he also scores a goal. So this is, again, he comes back and says, you know what? I need to simplify my game. I need to show that I'm uh, you know, capable uh, in the NHL here. And I got to show my coach that, you know, I shouldn't be benched and I'm, I'm going to move on from my prior mistakes. He does exactly that. Goes out, pots one. Um, you can't ask for much more than that in terms of having a response. That was like, there's no better response uh, from being benched than to go out in the next game and score a goal. So uh, super happy with Kevin LeBanc, the way he bounced back right there. And, you know, on this show, we've been a little critical of Kevin. Um, but I think in this instance, it's definitely worth um, the pat on the back that I'm giving him. So there you go, Kevin. Nice big pat on the back. Uh, Eric Carlson uh, in this game scores his second of the season. As of this game, he had five points in the last five games. Uh, Eric Carlson is heating up, folks. Um, The dam is going to break, I feel like. And we've talked about this before, and sometimes it does, and uh, sometimes it doesn't. But I honestly feel like you you see it in his skating. You see it the way he's starting to shoot the puck a lot more often now. He's not just looking for the pass anymore. Um, And he's just such a dynamic player, and it's starting to come to fruition now. That third groin that we were making jokes about, um, it's it's giving him superpowers right now. This guy is able to skate uh, like I've not seen him skate in a very long time. Even just tonight's game, if you watch, his ability to bring the puck over the blue line. And I've been critical of this, not from Eric Carlson, but from the Sharks in general, that especially on the power play, they have such a hard time breaking into the offensive zone, getting across the blue line. We did not see that issue tonight, at least not with Eric Carlson on the ice. He walked across the blue line several times. So it's it's really exciting to see him getting back to form, jumping in and just forcing the plays now. He's he's forcing this puck across the blue line like nobody else can. And the other teams just can't stop it. So I'm really excited to see where his game goes uh, from here. So, uh yeah, this I'm I'm just really stoked about Eric Carlson. I, I I really want him to be the player that we all know he can be. So uh, there's that, and there was another funny moment in the game with Eric Carlson here. There was an icing that uh, Comtois was trying to beat Eric Carlson down the ice, and this just shows how back uh, Eric Carlson is. He raced down and beat Comtois, um, just out accelerated him, beat him to the puck. Icing gets called, and as he's circling around behind the net, he looks over his shoulder at Comtois, and it's. I don't know the actual words, but basically like, yeah, I beat you on that one, didn't I? Like I won that race with a little chuckle and a smile. Um, so it's nice to see him out there, you know, full full strides, a big smile, having fun, getting the job done out there as well. So super happy with everything that's going on with uh, Eric Carlson, especially in this game here. So moving on, we've got Kane scores a goal. 
Um, he scored his 10th goal of the season, so he's now in double digits joining Logan Couture. Again, Logan Couture and, and Evander Kane really driving the bus right now for the San Jose Sharks. These guys are scoring goals left and right. Uh, absolutely loving it. I want to call out a comment from Gernster. Gernster? I don't know. Uh, looking like the EK65 from Ottawa. That's what I'm talking about. I, I'm, I knew he had it in him. I was just waiting for it. And uh, I'm glad that he is sort of starting to look a lot more like that dominant force that we originally acquired. So uh, hopefully he continues to do that. Again, no, Kane uh, scoring his 10th goal of the season. So good to see uh, him continuing to score. He's at like, at this point, he was at like 22 points in 24 games, I believe. So nearly a point per game. Really good stuff from Evander Kane. One thing I did want to bring about, uh, up about Evander was, in a post game, I had said, you know, how, how much do you like Curtis Gabriel? Who's another guy we'll talk about later on here. How much do you like Curtis Gabriel coming in and handling the fisticuffs so that you can focus more on scoring goals? And he gave me a very sobering response. Um, and, and I checked on this. He says, you know, I don't know why everybody thinks I fight so much. I fight literally like on average twice a year. Um, I think it's just because I have such a physical game. My job here is to score goals. And I thought, you know what? He's probably over-exaggerating a little bit. That can't be right. Kane fights all the time, right? No, he doesn't. He averages two fights a, a year, a season. And I went back and I looked. And he's got like one fight, one fight, three fights, one fight. It's not nearly as much as I thought. For some reason, I don't know why, I was under the impression that Kane drops the gloves way more often than he should and needs to be on the ice more scoring goals. And I think maybe I got a little confused. He's in the box more often than I'd like him to be in there. Uh, but it's not always because of fighting. And for some reason, I had it in my head that he's just fighting all the time. Uh, so, yeah, he he kind of told me what for on that response there. And uh, I guess well-deserved. I didn't do my uh, my fact-checking on that one there. So, oh, I'm sorry. We have a Venmo uh, from Robert Spittler. Because the Sharks finally have a winning streak, let's hope they make the playoffs. Hey, man, I'm all for it. I love that. And then that's something that they were talked about as well. Um, We'll get to Doug Wilson's quotes in in just a minute here. Uh, But yeah, they're, they're not trying to not make the playoffs. They're going to make a push. The expectation is that no matter what, we will always push and try to make the playoffs. We're never going to sit there and, and just kind of let the season go by. That's not our game. That's not what we do. We're here for um, to compete. We're here to be, you know, uh, to develop our players and whatnot. So even when you're developing the players, there's expectations. You know, if you're if you're contributing to a win, as we've seen with Bob Bugner, if you're not contributing to the team, you will be benched or you will not be even on the, the team in the first place. You'll get put on the taxi squad or bumped down to the AHL. So either you're going to produce uh, and play or you if you're on the team, you're going to be sitting on the bench. <laughs> So, um, you know, I, again, for me, I like the philosophy from Bob Putin. There's really nothing personal there. That's just the expectations and the realities of it. So uh, good on him. And again, thank you for the tip there. If anybody else wants to help support the show, you can do so by Super Chat um, as well as through Venmo tips. Uh, Venmo would be at the Fin Factor. So if you'd like to do that, uh, that way, the uh, Google and YouTube, I guess, they don't they don't get a cut of it. I know a lot of you folks were saying use uh, something other than Super Chat because you didn't want uh, the uh, Google or YouTube or whoever else it is to, to get a cut of that. So uh, Venmo, uh, there you go. Also, uh, as long as I've kind of stopped here, don't forget to, to visit the FinFactor.com. We have shirts, hats, stickers. That's another great way for you guys to be able to 
uh, support the show. And that's exactly what you're doing is supporting us. So uh, it's right down there for anybody who's watching and anybody on the podcast. Again, thefinfactor.com. Uh, uh, any support that we can get from you guys, absolutely appreciated. So there you go. Um, Handemark also gets his first NHL goal. Uh, really awesome stuff from him. He battles stick lifts, uh, pushes past, and then rips one uh, right in the goal there. And he just, yeah, he was super happy. You could see he was pumped. Uh, it was nice to see, you know, he got the puck, got the tape around it, and it writes everything down on the puck, and, you know, the date and, and everything else, first goal. So it's one of them that he'll uh, he'll always remember, I think. You've got Brett Hedekin tonight talking about somebody else's first goal. We'll get to that in a second. Brett Hedekin saying, yeah, no, I've got my first goal. Uh, you know, it's on a plaque. It's hanging up or whatever it was. Uh, I don't know if he, if he like framed it or, or something like that. I think he probably framed it. But, um, yeah, just one of those things where, you know, it's, it's a very special thing. And you could see on the look on his face, he was just super pumped and jazzed to get his first NHL goal. Uh, but uh, now we've gone through all the goal scoring. That took a long time. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of goaltending here. Devin Dubnik, the Sharks' first shutout of the season belongs to Devin Dubnik. I'm stoked with this guy. I, I knew when we got him that he was going to be great for the show. Or I'm sorry, for the show. Sorry. He was going to be great for, uh, well, yeah, for the show, I guess. Yeah, if we start playing well, it's good for us. But I meant great for the team. So, uh, you know, good to see that this guy is in there playing really strong. Again, this was his second in a row uh, and or actually third in a row now was uh, with with uh, Devin Dubnik. So having him get the first shutout of the season, totally uh, something that I was all for. Uh, I, I think that he deserves it. I think he's played his heart out. He's done such a great job. He hasn't gotten the goal support previously. He certainly got the goal support that night. So um, really, you know, good on Devin Dubnik for coming up with a big goose egg there. Uh, he had a humongous pivotal save against Comtois. Comtois is a guy's name that I keep bringing up. He's very, uh, very strong player for the Anaheim Ducks. But he had a pivotal save against Comtois, uh, led to Kane's goal. So it could have been, I believe, 2-1. to one. Instead, it's a 3-0. So it's a two-goal swing, and that just kind of helps build the confidence and kind of almost knock down the confidence for the Ducks a peg there, right? You go from you know, being uh, that close to being one goal down and now you're back to being three goals down of all things. So um, yeah, just a really deflating save uh, after or before the, uh, the extra deflating goal. So I, I'm all for it. Right. Um, and as of Friday, uh, which was yesterday, only Kinejov who has two points as assists Ferraro with seven assists and Gambrell, we'll get to that, with four assists, have no goals among players with more than five games played. So not counting uh, Curtis, Gabriel, and and, uh, one other whose name I can't remember. Uh, But basically, only those three. Everybody else on the team has at least scored a goal uh, after uh, Handemark was able to score his goal there. So, uh, And we'll we'll move on and we'll get to the rest of that stuff in just a second here. But uh, Miller had to relieve John Gibson in this game because he was just getting shelled. And in Anaheim tonight, the next night, Miller gets the start. So, uh, which is kind of to be expected because Gibson started, you think that you would just go with the other guy, right? Whoever it is. And the Sharks did that as well. The They had Devin Dubnik in net, back-to-back nights, you get Jones in net. So, Anaheim doing the exact same thing. Um, Jones in net, and now a lot of fans wanted to see Devin Dubnik again. But that's just that's too many games, I think, in a row. I think it would be four. And to have him play three games and then the fourth one would have been a back to back. I think that's just too much. So I think yeah, obviously the right call for tonight to have Martin Jones start um, in a back to back. And I think you're going to you're going to expect to see this on any of the Friday, Saturday games that we have, because, again, every Friday has a Saturday attached to it now. 
for the rest of the season. So it's going to be back-to-backs every Friday, Saturday. Whoever they play Friday, expect it to be somebody else on Saturday. Um, and we can expect to see that for the rest of the season. So uh, there's just information on that one there. So, um, yeah, tonight, Kane opens up the scoring. Uh, two seconds after the penalty kill expired, maybe two seconds. I mean, we're talking Marlowe barely got his foot on the ice uh, from being in the penalty box, and Evander Kane scores a goal. So um, it, it could have been another shorthanded goal for Evander Kane. I think he already had one, maybe two. Uh, but this would have been another shorthanded goal for Evander Kane uh, had this penalty expired maybe two seconds later. So, uh, yeah, really good stuff from Evander Kane. Obviously, he's got, he's got a lot of jump in his, his game there. Puck's getting out of the zone. He's beating them down there when they've only got four on the ice. The other team's got five, and he's moving. So there's a lot of effort coming from Evander Kane's game. I can't complain about his game whatsoever. He's done such a phenomenal job, I think, this season so far, and I'm really looking forward to how the rest of the season shakes out. Uh, I'd be really upset uh, to see him go. Uh, you know, we are talking about the whole bankruptcy thing last time uh, or at the trade deadline or whatever else. I'd be upset to see him not be a part of this team beyond this year. But uh, as of right now, at least, not going to let think about that. I'm only thinking about, you know, how how impressive his game has been, how hard he's worked, how much uh, puck protection skills this guy has. His shot is incredible. The guy has the whole package. He really does. And he's been staying out of the penalty box for the most part. So he's been playing a lot more responsibly as well, on top of all the other skills that he brings to it. Um, let's see. Moving on from that, we're going to talk about uh, not Martin Jones, but Max Jones scores a goal on Martin Jones. Uh, it was a puck that was chipped past Shimmick, and Shimmick was a little flat-footed, a little bit slow to get to it. So it was a kind of a breakaway situation of sorts. So it's hard, again, for me to kind of say, oh, that's, that's Martin Jones' fault. It was a nice shot. It went right over the pad, right under the blocker. So it was very well-targeted. Um, and it was one of those ones where it was, again, kind of a breakaway. So it's hard for me to kind of put the blame on the goaltender in those situations. You guys know me. So <laughs> that's that goes without saying, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, Martin Jones, again, is not the guy that you can rely on to make that kind of a save, right? You don't want to, you know what Martin Jones is, and everyone else has this problem with Martin Jones, too. They say, oh, he's like Swiss cheese. Well, if you believe that, then you need to be um, a lot more protective of Martin Jones. You can't let them chip the puck past your defense and let them have like a partial breakaway, right? That's just, it's more often than not, not going to end well. So if you know that, don't don't allow those. You got to prevent those types of plays from happening. In this case, Shimmick kind of, I think he just kind of lost the puck as he was looking around for it and he didn't seem to know where he was going uh, or, or where the puck was going rather. So uh, there's that. Now the score is tied 1-1, but immediately after that, you've got LeBanc scoring. It was a great play by Hurdle. He's puck protecting behind the net. And as he's falling, he's able to center the puck over to LeBanc, who just was Johnny on the spot right there, bang, one-timer. So, I mean, again, here's Kevin LeBanc again, scoring goals, right? So this is what you want from the guy. You want him to step up when he has a bad game to come back and play well. Now, it's not just him playing well. He scored a goal, and then the next game he scored a goal. It's it's more than just coming out there and having hard work and getting good chances and good looks. The guy's producing. So, again, we've been critical of him on this show, but I'm giving credit where credit's due. Kevin LeBanc came out, and he put up tonight, and he put up the night before, and he's scoring goals again. So, Again, uh, has a lot to do with him being on a line with the the steady hand, the guys that are driving the bus, uh, and Logan Couture and uh, Evander Kane. However, on this goal this night, it was Tomas Hurdle who he was uh, who was the recipient of that beautiful pass from. Right, 
So Kevin LeBanc just getting it done right now. Again, I'm going to pat the back where it's due, and uh, I'm going to give praises where it's due. So uh, that all aside, actually, no, there's more on that one. Sorry. Third period, it's a 2-1 game, and guess who finally scores? Dylan Gambrell gets his first NHL goal. Uh, he's paying the price in front of the net. Now, Donato is behind the net, and he tries to stuff this puck in, and the puck kind of flips up a little bit, and Gambrell taps it, and it bounces over the pad. Before and after the puck goes in the net, Gambrell gets completely mugged. Um, he gets knocked over, and as he's falling back, one of the the duck uh, defensemen, I think it was, was uh, he kind of throws his arm back, and he knocks his helmet backwards, and you could see Gambrell, like, if he hadn't have scored, you could probably tell that he would have been a little shaken up, but the fact that the puck went in the net, um, he didn't care. He was like, I finally scored. And he was just so happy. You could see it. Um, again, I love seeing that. You know, the guy's first goal uh, from like, like Handmark earlier. You could see it in his face. Same thing with Gambrell. I think even more so for Gambrell. I think Handmark has only played like two games in the NHL, right? And he got his goal. Gambrell's been doing this for like 20 something games. So for him to be snake bit for this long, but then finally get that goal, you could just see the relief on his face. And, uh, you know, again, all the hard work finally paying off. Um, I almost was uh, was hoping that uh, this show would start on time so that I can get into uh, the uh, the post game questions and maybe Gambrell would be there obviously because he's got his first goal. I could ask him. So the dam is broken now. You're ready to score fifteen twenty, right? Um, hopefully, get a little chuckle out of that one. I don't know, but really good on Gambrell being able to get in there, get that goal, and kind of uh, get that monkey off the back, right? So hopefully, he can get out there, uh, keep making the good plays he's been making. And maybe he'll get a little bit more puck luck and we'll see the puck go in a little bit more for him. I'd love to see that. The guy deserves it. He's been doing a great job all season long um, on that third line center. And even when Hurdle was out, jumping up to the second line. I'm going to call out a couple comments here. One from, I have to scroll up just a bit here. Sorry, Brian saying, I'm just waiting for a Kinejov first goal. Dude, me too. I, I think the guy deserves it. And I think he's more than capable. He is an offensive force. He can do it. Uh, so, Absolutely looking forward to Kenny Jobs for his goal. Uh, Gernster, save Doobie for Vegas. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think you're going to have the next coming uh, games here are against Vegas. And it's two games. One's going to go to Doobie for sure. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe Martin Jones either gets the second start or maybe Jones gets the first one. If Jones gets the first one, Doobie's definitely getting the second. But if Doobie gets the first one, the second game is for a couple of days. It might be up in the air. Um, if if Dubnik keeps playing the way that he's been playing, he's been doing a great job. Um, another one here, oh, <laughs> Sonic Tonic. I'm going to call it out. Thank you. Uh, Paul is doing a great job with this one man show tonight. I really appreciate it. Hey man, uh, I appreciate you appreciating it because it was one of those things where I'm going, gosh, should we cancel the show? Should we not do it? Because I don't know if I can handle this without having Aaron to bounce off of. It's a lot of talking. Uh, but you know, Hey, I, I appreciate you, uh, showing me a little bit of love there. Sonic Tonic. Thank you so much, man. I do appreciate that. Uh, Gamby loves a morning skate. Yes, I think that is a uh, a callback to Mario Ferraro uh, saying Gamby loves a morning skate, huh, Gamby? <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen that clip, please seek it out. It's a, it's a funny one. Uh, it gets a nice little chuckle uh, from Mario Ferraro. Mario Ferraro, just again, m- probably my favorite player on the team right now. He does everything the right way in terms of playing the game. He's always hustling. He's got the best attitude, and I can only imagine how awesome he must be in the locker room with all the boys. So um, definitely looking for, yeah, the more, you know, there it is down there. Uh, definitely looking forward to uh, some more Mario Ferraro as the Sharks seasons uh, go on into the future. 
So there you go. Um, Martin Jones stood tall all game long in this game, especially in the third period. The Ducks did have quite a push near the end there, but Martin Jones, you know, true to form where he's, you know, got his angles set properly. He's not giving up a whole lot of rebounds and that near the end of the game, at least he was sucking everything up and into him. Uh, did a really fine job. I thought um, so a lot of that, again, we have to come back to my philosophy, good defense, uh, is going to help you win games, and good good defense actually helps out the goaltending numbers as well. It makes the goalies look better. I don't think Martin Jones needed the defense to make him look better tonight. He did a really good job all on his own, but I think the team is coming together as a team. They're gelling a lot better right now, and they're playing well together. So the from good defense comes good offense. We saw the night previous, 6 nothing tonight, 3-1. to one. Um, I mean, what else can you ask for from this team right now? They're on, don't look now, but they are on a three game win streak. This is a team that was, you know, a horrible team that everyone thought, oh, they're, they're so bad and everything. And I'm not saying they're actually, you know, a phenomenal team, but it's amazing what happens when you get Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer back in the lineup and everyone else is starting to gel together and play well together. I think this team has a lot more to offer than being the bottom of the basement of the West. Now it may be a little too late at the same time we started off. What was it? 14 of 16 on the road. So, and on with a team that is trying to learn everything new. In fact, let's just jump to this. There was a, a uh, conference, I guess you can call it with Doug Wilson. Unfortunately, I wasn't a part of that, but uh, there was a lot of other media guys that were able to ask a lot of questions and I found some of them very interesting. So we're going to share one right now. It was Doug Wilson on the coaching staff during the pandemic. Um, it's, it's a pretty low quality clip, so maybe close your eyes and just listen, but um, here you go. We'll go ahead and play that clip for you now. And I, I think one of the other big things that I really appreciate our coaches and our players not worrying about things they can't control is when you got 14 of 16 games to start the season on the road and you're trying to implant a new system and integrate young players and you don't have any matchups. The other team has the last change. So for example, we go to Colorado, you throw a young D man on the ice or a young forward line out comes Landis Gog, McKinnon and, uh, and Rantanen. And that, that's just the way it is. So you learn from those experiences. Uh, the schedule now flips a little differently going forward and, and hopefully we can have the continuity of, of guys in the lineup. Uh, when you've got a Timo Meyer and a Tomas Hurdle in the lineup, it pushes you guys back in, into probably proper roles. But uh, there's just been a lot of things that um, uh, go into this uniqueness of this year. Um, and it's not just our team. It's the, the Barracuda also not having access to them and them being on the road and having a lot of games canceled. So it's just been a, a unique, challenging year that um, you learn a lot about people going through those things too. So Doug Wilson, obviously taking that call from Winnipeg, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the one where uh, people were clowning on the, uh, the, the horrible Wi-Fi. I mean, it maybe it was uh, uh, Demers or um, somebody, I forget who it was, but um, yeah, uh, again, really low quality. God, come on, Doug, buy a, buy a webcam or something, buddy. Jeez. Uh, anyway, you know, I think a lot of people forget, you know, this is a, a team that was learning a new system, not just veteran players learning a new system, um, but also new players to the team learning the new system and learning their teammates at the same time. That's a whole lot to try to crunch together without having a training camp, right? Without having that rookie camp there. So there's, it was a lot of it that was just kind of thrown together. And I think that the beginning of the season was very indicative of that, right? You see how 
how bad the team was kind of in the beginning of the season. You look at them now and they're still, I mean, the record is what it is, but I think lately the Sharks have definitely played a lot better and you can see that in their game and you can see that they're a better team than when they started um, it, specifically after a lot of the injuries and then them coming back. Uh, I, I think everybody's had a good chance to kind of reset a little bit themselves and be able to come out there and, and again, really gel together as a team and, and make this team closer to what we all thought it could be uh, with big names like Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Logan Couture, Vander Kane. There's a lot of big names on this team that should be able to carry a lot of weight and should be able to make the people around them better. Uh, and we just hadn't seen that much. I think lately you've been seeing it a lot more. So um, definitely something I think a lot of people forget with the difficulties of having a brand new system with a lot of new players and no time really to, to teach anybody those things. You're teaching them during the games and you're using some of those regular season games almost as practice, as preseason, um, you know, as a training camp. And it's your, your record suffers because of that. Right. So um, there's that. And also, again, the 14 and 16 on the road. Uh, he says these are realities, not excuses. And I agree with that. He's not making excuses. This is just the reality of it. 14 of 16 on the road. Right. And it's not just, oh, it's not our building. So we're uncomfortable here. It's that the other team is getting the last change. Like he said, you throw out a younger line. Um, you know, the, your, your second six, uh, as Brett Hedekin likes to call it. And all of a sudden, here comes Ranton and McKinnon and Landeskog, right? So you don't get the benefit of putting out the, the matching line change for the first 14 of 16 games where everyone's still trying to learn the system. So there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and, of course, you know, like he says, he also brought up the, the people playing their proper roles. When you've got Tomas Hurdle out, Dylan Gambrell is not a second-line center in this league, at least not yet, and maybe he will never be. So to have him have to play up in that role, yeah, of course, he's going to be going up against guys that are above his pay grade. So, you know, again, you have to look at it and say, you know, I can expect that maybe the Sharks aren't going to do too well in these situations. But then you can't really get mad when they don't do well in those situations, right? So it's just one of those things where, you know, taking the team for what it is, having a little bit of patience with it. I understand there's patience as a... Uh, as a virtue there. But, um, you know, I think it's one of those things where, again, the Sharks are kind of coming out of this and starting to look a little bit better. Now, they may not be a playoff team, but I think that they're going to finish a lot stronger than how they started, or at least get to the trade deadline stronger than how they started. Once the trade deadline hits, who knows who's gone? And then in which case, yeah, they could be absolutely horrible if they trade away all their talent. So who knows? Um, having said that, there was another thing that he talked about uh, that I wanted to bring up. And that was on uh, being in a, a reset mode. And he kind of acknowledges this, right, in this next clip here. So actually, uh, Super Producer Jason, we'll go ahead and roll this clip right now, and I'll talk about it then. Uh, you know, with Tommy's injury, and you, you mentioned this, well, maybe more last year, but, you know, maybe some lack of depth up front. Uh, why weren't the Sharks more aggressive in this offseason? And what was sort of a buyer's market for uh, unrestricted free agents? Well, for very simple reasons, we were going to reset, and that meant giving our younger players the opportunities. That's the that's the mode that we're in right now. So you wanted to have, you know, the Patty Marlowe's, the Steph Nasons, the Marcus Sorensons, but you want opportunities for our young players to play. That is the mode that we're in. Um, we wanted to make sure that uh, we replenished our system in the draft, and that's why we used all nine of those picks. We didn't use those picks to go get players from the outside. That's where we're at. Um, you know, we're we fully understand that this is, uh, was going to be a year that uh, a lot of teams in the league are going through. And it is a, uh, a unique year with the pandemic going on that 
that was the decision that we made. Um, it's like the upcoming uh, trade deadline. I'm not going to be trading our first round pick. I mean, uh, the replenishment of the nine picks in the last draft, the upcoming draft is important. That's the window and phase that we're in with this team. And we expect uh, you know, our core players to uh, elevate their games and reestablish it. We expect the young players to get opportunities, um, whether it be players uh, coming up from the CUDA, whether it be Chekovich coming back from the KHL. That's the window, uh, and that's how we're approaching this season. So uh, definitely one of the main takeaways or a few takeaways from this here is um, that they were expected that they were going to be in a reset mode. So this isn't something that crept up on them and they're, you know, kind of taken by surprise here. They, they understood that, look, we're, we're probably going to be in a bit of a reset here. So um, letting the young players play, letting them gain experience, like he said, um, it, it, again, I, it's a stress. It's a thing that you need to stress that they knew that this was not something that was a surprise. They knew that they were going to be in this reset mode. So this is something that is not just expected, but I think communicated obviously to Hasso Plattner. And a lot of people are going to say, well, Doug Wilson needs to get fired or whatever. But I think, again, this is communicated to the team's owner. And as long as the owner is on board with that, it's okay for them to go through this bit of growing pain and for Doug Wilson to have the opportunity to go and finish this reset and see what happens coming out on the other end. Now, maybe if it doesn't come out well in next season's play, then maybe you've got a point here. Maybe, you know, uh, Doug Wilson is a little bit on the hot seat, but I think for this season, regardless of how this season goes, I think Hassel Plattner understands that they're going to be going through these growing pains uh, for now, at least. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. I know a lot of people are kind of on Doug Wilson watch all the time. Uh, but for me, I, again, I like the way that he does the job and I don't think that he's going anywhere. And I don't think that this season, however it ends up is going to be the last season of Doug Wilson. You're definitely going to have at least one more season based on what he just said, talking about, we expected this. And of course that message is going to get translated to the team's owner who's probably on board. Um, now that doesn't mean that they're not going to try to make playoffs. I think you just said that there too. And I think I had someone in here in the comments and I'm going to try to find it really fast. There it is. Gernster says, all it takes is a losing streak from one of the top four. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It takes a little bit more than that. It does take a losing streak from one of the top four, but it certainly takes a winning streak from the San Jose Sharks. Now, as long as they're playing these teams like the Ducks and the Kings, who they can beat these teams, no problem. Um, and, and they have to do that, of course. Um, they can certainly get on a big winning streak here. Now, they've got three in a row now, so it's the beginnings of a really nice win streak, but you're going into Vegas, so that win streak might get ended a little bit prematurely. Uh, but, you know, again, there's other teams in this league or in this division. Sharks can beat for sure. Um, and again, those those top teams, they also have to play each other. Someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. So, you know, you might see a, a nice big losing streak from one of those top teams. It kind of helps get the Sharks, you know, not in in the playoffs, necessarily, but in contention, at least uh, in the conversation uh, to get into the playoffs. So uh, there, there's that there. And then the last takeaway from this is I put this in all caps, not trading first round pick. So expect that the Sharks are going to have a solid pick. Uh, this coming season, assuming again that they don't make the playoffs. Um, it's one of those picks that hopefully is somewhere in that like top 10 or so. If we're not going to make the playoffs, I'd like to have a, a really low pick right there. Uh, get a nice talent, bring them in. And again, this is one of those ones where Doug Wilson Jr. Uh, has the the helm now as 
the uh, the scouting and the drafting, right? So uh, we've seen what he's done with uh, with drafting as well. Mara Ferraro was a second round pick under Doug Wilson Jr. So uh, with a first round pick in his hand, again, we didn't have it last season. So with a first round pick in hand for the coming draft, be interesting to see who Doug Wilson Jr. picks here. Um, I know like that the consensus top picks have all been defensemen and Sharks fans aren't exactly happy about that, but uh, you know, they're going to pick the best player. That's not just the best player, but the best player for them as well. So we'll see um, if you guys have any thoughts on uh, what the Sharks might need, go ahead and put it in the chat uh, there and you guys can kind of spark that conversation as well. So anyway, the main takeaway from that, again, the Sharks should and will have their first round pick, not going to be using it as currency to get a right now player. Um, unless something amazing comes along, I would guess, but it sounds like Doug Wilson is absolutely considering um, locking down that first and keeping it for himself. Um, also wanted to note that the Sharks are committed to Evander Kane. Now, Doug Wilson said this uh, during this interview process. We don't have a clip of it, um, and probably for the better because it looks like it was recorded on a toaster. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, the news broke that Kane and the Sharks might be mulling over a contract termination. And uh, in this interview, Doug Wilson stressed, again, I am not interested uh, in, in uh, not being committed to Evander Kane. We are committed to him. And um, he's, again, it's a good thing for me, I think, because he's been playing great. He's a big part of this team, a huge part of this offense. He's extremely talented. Um, so I would love to see Evander Kane remain a San Jose Shark, and we'll see uh, what the future holds for this guy. I, I really hope only good things. Uh, I feel bad for his situation, a uh, situation he put himself in, obviously, and unfortunately. But I, I, for me, I like the guy, and I like what he brings to the table. So, Hopefully that all comes out with sunshine and rainbows uh, on the other end of it. Now, a guy who, uh, well, actually, we know we'll go back to one comment because it'll lead right into this topic uh, perfectly, I think. So let's see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, Maximus lit. Maximus is lit. Uh, the team plays way better when we get gritty. Uh, that is above uh, Gernster's last comment there. Thank you, Super Producer Jason. Um, and then. Kellen Foster says, I see Gabriel's impact on the forecheck. I can notice the, that impact, how defensemen get flustered when Gabriel is there. 100%. Um, I thought that this position was dead, the enforcer. But you know what? Curtis Gabriel isn't just an enforcer. He moves his legs and he grinds. I think he's more the grinder type. Now, he fought in every game <laughs> for the last like three games, not tonight. Uh, so maybe that makes him an enforcer, I guess. But I don't know. I just, I like the guy's game. I think he does a really good job of finishing his checks all the time. And I think it was, uh, uh, Peng, I think is what, who it was. Shang Peng had called out, you know, here's an example of it. The ducks got the puck in their own zone past D to D or whatever. And defenseman picks up the puck looks up and here comes Curtis Gabriel. And he just wings the puck to the middle of the ice. Like, I just want to get rid of it. So I don't get hit. Um, and that is the impact that Curtis Gabriel can have on a team when he's not scoring goals, not getting assists, not doing much of anything offensively, he is pressuring. And that goes a very long way from the other team making mistakes, from the other team having to look over their shoulders for the, uh, the, his own line mates being able to capitalize on those mistakes made by those other players. So I think he brings a whole heck of a lot and he gets some praise here. Uh, and we'll go and, and talk about that a little bit where he does get that praise. But one guy who wasn't super excited about Curtis Gabriel Amazingly, John Scott, former San Jose Sharks enforcer himself, 
um, says that he wasn't very uh, impressed with him. He says he wants him to settle down, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, he says nobody nobody will disrespect this team while he's on the ice. That's the, the quote that Curtis Gabriel had, right? Uh, when he fought, I believe it was uh, Clifford, right? Kyle Clifford on St. Louis Blues. And that was because of the previous time they played the Blues, Jordan Bennington kind of had his antics, right? Where he was like trying to fake punch everybody. And Curtis Gabriel was like, no, you're answering the bell for your goaltender. So he fought Kyle Clifford because of that. And he basically Kyle Clifford had to answer the bell. So um, I don't know. I, I like that. I think that's uh, that's part of his role, part of his job. And, and he's doing that. So for John Scott to come out and say, hey, settle down, kid. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. And he even went so far as to call the uh, the quote where he says no one will disrespect this team. He called that quote embarrassing. I, I mean, I don't get that. Um, I'm not sure why John Scott would say such a thing to a fellow uh, enforcer, somebody who also drops the gloves here. And, you know, Curtis was was very gracious in his response. This all happened on Twitter. Um, his, he said, you know, I, I agree to disagree, Big John. He even called him Big John. I mean, he was really nice about it. So, I mean, he just basically says, you know, um, you know, I love what you're doing with the, you know, post career, but I agree to disagree with you there. And um, again, it was just a very gracious way of responding from a guy who drops the gloves. Um, so I don't know. I, Curtis Gabriel, he's getting a lot of fans right now from the San Jose Sharks for everything that he's been doing. Um, but you know, even Brody had said it, it's just, it's odd that Scott an enforcer on a podcast called dropping the gloves would be critical of, of Curtis Gabriel. Um, but not on this podcast. <laughs> so, or web series, whatever we are, I'm not critical of that at all. I think, you know, if it was a goal scorer who went out and scored when he said that he would, uh, is that still embarrassing? I mean, let's let's change the roles up now, right? This is what Gabriel's role is. His role is to go out there and intimidate. So if 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 he's going out there and saying no one's going to disrespect this team, and then he has three games in a row where he's fighting people, I mean, isn't that him doing his job? That's him playing his role. So again, shift it from somebody who's fighting to somebody who's a goal scorer. If a guy who's a goal scorer says, "Hey, man, I'm going to go out there and score a goal, and no one's no one's going to be able to stop me." If he goes out in three consecutive games and scores goals and he's intimidating the, the rest of the team uh, the, or the, the other team, I should see, and their defense and they're backing off because they're worried about what he's going to do. Isn't that him doing his job? So why is it different if it's the role has switched um, that I, I just don't get? So um, but yeah, I mean, again, his role is to go out there and to intimidate. Um, in fact, let's go talk to, to go with Lundy's comment here. Curtis Gabriel, probably new favorite due to no BS. Hey man, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. You're you're absolutely right. He certainly doesn't have any uh, any BS in his game. He goes out there. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do, and he goes out there and does it. Now I don't know if you've read the story. If you if you haven't, search for a tweet from Randy Hahn, um, and you'll probably find it. He has the story about Curtis Gabriel and how no one can outwork this guy in the gym. He is just constantly in there um, trying to beat everyone at being the best at being in the gym. Like he, he wants to lift the most. He's not going to let anybody outwork him. He's one of those guys where he just refuses to get outworked. Um, so that's the kind of mentality. That's the kind of work ethic he brings to the team. So he brings more than just going out there and slamming bodies and fighting people behind the scenes. I think he's an inspiring guy and on the ice He's generating and making things happen. So um, I'm I'm 100% on board with having Curtis Gabriel on this team. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that he's here. I'm happy that he's found a role. His journey to the NHL was kind of a strange one. Again, find that tweet, find that story. It is a great story to read. 
So um, again, for me, Curtis Gabriel, he knows what his role is. He's out there doing his job and he's backing up his words. So, I mean, for me, for John Scott to say it's embarrassing, again, the guy's backing up his words. If he was just out there saying no one's going to disrespect this team and then he lost every fight that he tried, or that he, he went up against somebody else with, he wasn't out there banging bodies. He wasn't doing anything of any, um, you know, worth to the team. Then, okay, fine, you've got a point. But he's out there doing his job. So I don't know. I have a problem with with John Scott's analysis of that. Uh, again, especially coming from a guy who was an enforcer on a podcast called Dropping Gloves. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. But a guy who was uh, very uh, game gave high praise to Curtis Gabriel of all people on the team, probably the least tough guy on the team, uh, Eric Carlson. He said his role is just as important as my role. And I couldn't do the things that I do uh, if he wasn't allowed to do the things that he does. That is very high praise from Eric Carlson. And I think uh, if you look at the tweet from Eric Carlson, he uh, or not from Eric, but the tweet quoting Eric and then what's his name? Uh, Curtis Gabriel retweets that and says, this means the world to me. This means everything to me, right? That his teammate, not even just a teammate, a superstar in Eric Carlson is calling it out and saying, I appreciate this player. I appreciate this guy. Um, I mean, such high praise. What more could you want as a player in Curtis Gabriel who goes out there and bangs bodies uh, to have a star on the team in the NHL telling you he appreciates what you do and that your role enables my role? Um, again, this is, for me, another sign that this team has just gelled. They're all on the same page, whereas last season, I think Doug Wilson had said we had a lot of people that were not used to losing, and they all were kind of uh, leaders and big personalities and whatnot. I think this season that's calmed down a little bit. I think they're they're more playing as a team as opposed to individuals. And um, you know, even though the record may not reflect it necessarily, I think it's good things for the future of this team. And you know, maybe Curtis Gabriel isn't a part of that, but I think as Bob Bugner, uh, the way that he played. As long as he's happy with the way that Curtis Gabriel is playing and the things that Curtis Gabriel brings to the team, uh, I think he's going to be on this team at least until next season, and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, let's see. Uh, we'll do a couple comments here. Uh, Hernandez here says, an enforcer, I guess, did you see Gabriel leave Lucic doing the stanky leg back when Gabriel was with the Devils? No, I did not. I will absolutely have to look that one up. Anytime I can see Lucic look like a goof, I'm all for it. Uh, if anybody remembers when Lucci's, I think was on the, the Kings, uh, was skating down the uh, the boards, I think it was left boards, and Logan Couture came out of the penalty box and uh, just dropped down and he basically hip checked him uh, without actually skating into him. Lucci's kind of flipped over and Logan looked back and laughed at him. That was one of the my favorite things uh, ever. Uh, I just like seeing Lucci's look like a goof. So there's that. Uh, and then again from, uh, oh, actually, we'll go to Kellen Foster. I've been reading that the termination is for Kane's benefit, uh, meaning the bankruptcy litigation wouldn't be able to make uh, take the money on his current angel contract so he wouldn't play for free. Yes, uh, that's that's something that uh, has been said as well, and uh, that's probably true, actually. So, uh, But regardless, whatever that that turns into for the Sharks and for Kane, that the Sharks are basically saying, you know, we're, we're committed to him. So maybe that means we're committed to his decision. If he decides that he doesn't want to play, we're committed to that, uh, and we will go ahead and honor his decision to want to terminate the contract. Whatever it is, I think the Sharks are going to try to do the best thing for Kane uh, and whatever is in his most interest uh, with this whole thing. Again, a lot of this is, you know, it's it's personal. I don't want to get too far into, into his personal financial life or anything, but 
uh, it, it could affect the Sharks going forward, whether or not he becomes a part or stays a part of this team. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Again, for me, I like the guy and I like what he brings to the team. And I hope that he become or stays with the Sharks, becomes a mainstay on the Sharks, I should say, uh, for many years to come. Um, his contract certainly has him here for many years. And I think that, you know, he's just such a, a phenomenal talent. Uh, I'm 100% behind him. Moving on, we're going to talk about the uh, last little bits here. Next games, uh, Monday and Wednesday against the Vegas Golden Knights. There are two games again on Friday, Saturday. However, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, uh, we do our game or our show after every mini series. So Monday, Wednesday are both Vegas games. That is its own little mini series. The one after that, I believe, is St. Louis. I'll have to check. Um, but Friday, Saturday is its own mini series. So you're going to get a show from us on Wednesday this coming week, and then you'll get a show from us on Saturday. I say us, but I don't know if Aaron's going to get enough sleep or not. So you might be stuck with just me again. Who knows? Um, <laughs> having said that, um, again, I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm looking for, you know, that one point and I'd be okay with it right out of the Vegas golden Knights. However, having hurdle back, having uh Meyer back, I feel like we're capable of a little bit more. So I would, I think I'd be happy with a win, right? Pulling two points or two overtime losses, pulling two points, uh, against the Vegas golden Knights. That would be, I think for me, a win again, we have to set the expectations properly for this team. You can't expect them to go out there and win, every night against really good teams like the Vegas Golden Knights. So you have to be okay with them pulling out maybe a point here and there, right? Uh, And so that's just realistic expectations. And that's what I have for this team right now. And that's, I mean, I would love to see wins, obviously, but uh, realistically, I think that's what we're going to see. We'll probably see at least one loss, um, but hopefully they can pull a point, maybe two out of these two games. That would be phenomenal. And we'll talk at all about the St. Louis games right now because, again, we'll talk about that a little bit uh, on Wednesday after the Vegas Golden Knight game when we do our live stream. When I do the live stream. I don't know if Aaron's going to be here. Uh, so the uh, other couple things here, the Sharks Pride shirt. Again, I think Super Jason has the graphic. There it is. Uh, so, again, Hockey is for Everyone t-shirt, limited edition. It benefits Silicon Valley Pride. Uh, There are sizes small, medium, large, extra large. It's $10 for shipping, but you do not have to pay for shipping if you don't have it shipped. You can pick it up. It's available at Solar for America Ice Pro Shop. There's a limited availability in March of 2021 or until they sell out. I imagine, again, they're going to sell out pretty quick, but they are just $29.99. They're available at sjteamshop.com. Aaron's got one. I've got one. Super Producer Jason's got one. Super Key Grip Joe's got one, and you should get one, too, if you want to support Silicon Valley Pride. Again, I think it's an awesome shirt. I love it. And I can't wait to actually go to a game or somewhere I get to rock this thing because as of right now, uh, it's just kind of hanging up in my closet. Um, it's kind of kind of sad just sitting there by itself. What are you going to do? Uh, um, actually, it's not by itself. It's, it's surrounded by Sharks jerseys. It's in that section of my closet. Uh, regardless, uh, hopefully Aaron gets some sleep and can join the conversation. If you enjoyed the conversation, please, if you haven't already, do subscribe to the show. Again, we only uh, hit you with emails and whatnot when we're putting content out, when we're about to do that. And we don't hit you up every other day or every day with uh, just kind of content that's whatever. Right? We're not throwing videos out there that don't mean anything. We're doing these, like I said, after every two-game miniseries. So there's something to talk about. And again, you guys can join in that conversation. More so than just subscribing, I don't really, the like button is great. Don't get me wrong. I like when you guys hit the like button. It makes me feel good. Uh, But more than anything else, I would love for you guys to, again, share us out there to your friends, to your family, to your other Sharks fans that you know. 
uh, get us out there because if you're enjoying us and you have like-minded people uh, that are that are with you, that are fans, they're probably going to like us as well. So they can join in that conversation on the comment section there during the live streams. After the show is done, putting those comments in, we can respond to them there as well. I think this format where we do live shows works a lot better when we have a lot of people uh, in the comments uh, kind of giving their thoughts and chatting up and talking. I realized that since Aaron's not here, that we didn't get to do uh, the roll call. I apologize for that. Uh, maybe next time I'll remember and we'll throw it in there somewhere. But uh, as of right now, that's essentially the show, you guys. So I want to highlight uh, a couple more comments. Uh, Mr. Hernandez here says, I think San Jose will get four of the next six. Okay. And you know what? Again, we just talked about this where if the Sharks go on a bit of a winning streak, and somebody on the top end of the, of the division goes on a bit of a losing streak, we might find ourselves in the conversation a little bit here, which will make trade deadline very interesting. And Doug Wilson have some very difficult decisions to make, if that's the case. Uh, Kellen here says the Sharks are three points back from the Coyotes and the Kings and have played two less games. I believe they can at least catch those teams. Hey, man, I'm 100% with you. I think I think they absolutely can keep, catch those teams and which again puts us right in that conversation. So, um, you know, who knows? There's definitely, you want to watch Sharks hockey right now because the team is, is gelling. They're playing well and we've got our guys back and healthy. You've got hurdle. Who's looking phenomenal. Hasn't missed a beat. Timo Meyer has been scoring goals. Kevin LeBanc has been scoring goals. Eric Carlson scored a couple goals and he's looking phenomenal on his skates. So I don't know. For me, this team is exciting to watch again. And uh, I'm looking forward to your guys' take on a lot of what's going on as we move forward into more and more episodes of the Fin Factor and get those comments going in here as well. Um, last couple ones, and then we'll, we'll wrap this whole thing up. Uh, Brian says, do you think the Sharks found their fourth line center? I don't know if they found their fourth line center. I mean, I think this is kind of a revolving door. I think the whole fourth line is kind of a revolving door, to be honest. Now, I think you're referring to Handmark. Uh, I believe he was playing center tonight. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but if that's the case, it's too early to tell. He's played his second game in the NHL, and the first one was like at the beginning of the season. So he's really only played the one game. I don't know if he's going to be uh, sticking around in the lineup or not. Again, I feel like that bottom uh, – uh, I don't want to call it the bottom. Uh, let's say the uh, – yeah, the, the fourth liners, okay? I think those fourth line guys or the second six, as Brett Hedekin likes to say, I think it's going to be a bit of a revolving door there. So uh, we'll see who sticks and who doesn't. Uh, a lot of that is going to depend on how the team's playing and how those individual players are playing. I think Bob Boogner has been very upfront and honest about playing certain players and when he's going to have you benched. And he's done it. He's stuck to his word. So there you go. Uh, last one here, Kellen Foster. I'm going to take a shot for the win. And to Doug Wilson getting a new webcam. I love it. <laughs> very good stuff. Thank you, guys. Hey, man, I, I appreciate all of you. I can, tell my, I can tell my voice is going. I appreciate all of you guys popping in the comments. I appreciate the super chat and the Venmo and all the ways you guys are supporting the show, not just monetarily, but through this conversation that we're having. Again, please share us out to your friends. I'm sure they would love to jump in on the conversation as well. So for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. I've really enjoyed doing this. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me, doing this solo. It's been tough. But uh, I think we made it. We're, we're going to be okay for the next one. Uh, hopefully Aaron gets back. But either way, if I got to do it solo again, I'm here for you guys. So once again, for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I will see you guys on Wednesday. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. 
Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.